Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that's about the Bengals and put together by a couple of fools in the UK. Yes, it really does do what it says on the tin, uh, if the podcast was a tin, obviously. My name's Paul Hirons and I'm back in the sewing room with the Mo to my Hito, the Barbie to my Q, the Fry to my Onions, the Gentleman's to my Relish. The flip to my flops and the Alex to my Redmond. It's Nathan Palmer. Hello, Nathan. How you doing, Paul? Now, obviously, you've had a few weeks off, and I introduced the last one. Did you feel an element of pressure in there, judging by the two outtakes? <laughs> <laughs> you're not supposed to really. Uh, you're not. Su- <laughs> you can't even get your words out, man. I'm not. We're not cutting that one out. Not three inside the first ten minutes. Can we just move forward? Obviously. <laughs> You doing the intro for one week has completely screwed me up. I think it's the hot weather that's sending me loopy as well. I know, literally. You've got to give some credit to us here tonight. I walked here on my way over from where I live, and the whole way there I saw about four or five pub gardens full to the brim, (laughs) people with cold lagers in their hand, and me and Paul were sat around in a sweaty sewing room with a couple of cans. I don't know which one I'd rather prefer, actually, Nathan. Um, but isn't it funny, though, London, when the sun comes out, we obviously had a horrific long winter, and oh. everyone just goes completely nuts. It's, People for our American viewers, uh, listeners, rather, it's 25 degrees in London today. That's Celsius, not Fahrenheit. That'd be really cool. degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, something like that, uh, which 75. means every single person is, is just going a bit crazy people go mad over here every, literally every pub garden in london will be at its brink tonight yeah and uh, no matter already, how bad are the pub i've been is. out and about today and people have been wearing flip-flops and shorts oh, I saw some and... geezer shirtless over the park yeah. today some old geezer as well some old, it wasn't me was it <laughs> <laughs> i hope not <laughs> now uh this is indeed episode 12 and we are episode only 12 i know it's crazy isn't it um You've had a busy time with things, haven't you? We've had a little break and you've had your birthday. How was that? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told Paul when I got here tonight I was 34 and he started feeling all chuffed about himself. And then I told him I was 28 and he, uh, See, his frown, his uh, grin turned upside down. I mean, to be quickly. fair, you look 34. <laughs> it was an easy sell, was it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but you went to Italy, didn't went you? Went to Italy, flew into Milan, saw uh, Parma. Um, a nice, lovely and you're a big Palmer supporter, big right? Palmer fan. Yeah, long, long story there as to why I'm a fan. Um, Modena as well, beautiful yeah. place. If anyone's going to Italy and you want to avoid the crowds and you know the hustle and bustle of Rome and Florence, then I would f- uh, fully recommend Modena and Palmer. Beautiful little quaint Italian right. towns. Right. So, do you do you support teams? That just have Palmer in the title. No, not at all. I used to watch it back in the day. A lot of people in the UK, I remember old Football Italia. Yeah. You know, back in the day with, Jay, what's his name? James Richardson. Yes, all yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. Gazettas, everything like that. And Hernan Crespo in his peak when Palmer were good. Yeah. They had Crespo, Veron, Buffon, Cannavaro. Beautiful yellow and blue kit. I was completely hooked. Well, there we go. This isn't, if you're just joining us, this isn't an Italian yeah. football podcast. This is <laughs> a Bengals be. podcast. And of course, we are only, well, we're only a kind of a week and a day away I'm from the 2018 it. draft. Massive, massive. The players are back massive. in town doing their OTAs at the moment. Yeah. It feels like things are moving. It's quite, quite exciting. Do you get excited for the draft? Uh, yeah. Do you know what? This year, for some reason, I've, I've not felt as big of a buzz around it. But when you say there is eight days to go, that, I mean, that's crazy. crazy. It, it is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, Let's let's segue, like okay. Paul likes to say, into some draft <laughs> chat. Like, what are you thinking, Paul? Well, um, we've obviously got to talk about the draft um, because it's happening, and it's. I would say it's quite a crucial one for the Bengals this Absolutely. year. There's lots of needs, and you know where we're going to be picking it around twenty-one. Uh, it's likely that some of those needs will, you know, can be filled basically mm. and be taken care of. We do have a very special guest to talk about the draft in around ten minutes or so time, and that is the legend that is. Dave Lapham, uh, but just a few news items. Um, Eric Reed came in for a re- visit the ex San Francisco 49ers uh, safety, and they didn't reach a deal. A lot of Bengals fans are very excited with uh, by the fact, well, you know, the possibility yeah. of signing Eric Reed because he's a real banger of a safety and one that we didn't actually mention in the last episode. The yeah, safety is yeah, yeah. available. Um, 
Now, it kind of kicked off a bit of controversy because of his peaceful protests. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to get into that now? Probably not. But I don't think we need to explore that line? now. What's I top think, line I think you? it's a real shame because if that's the issue that's preventing the Bengals from signing, and it might well not be, it could be his concussion history, it could be the fact they don't think he's a system fit, it could be that he wants too much money. They're all things that you know will play together in the Bengals' final decision. But I hope that the, pre- uh, the protest part isn't a factor or it's certainly not a big factor because it's a position we really could use with filling. Absolutely. And I think we're going into the draft and I think you said it before about it being a crucial draft for the Bengals and it is because this year I think we have positions of need. Yes. And I think in the past it's been more of a case of almost luxury picks. Best, where pace, we can, best player available. Yeah, right? exactly. And we can take the best player available, we can sit them for a year or so and then hopefully bed them in. Whereas this year, I mean, just straight away on the offensive line, we need a centre to come in and start. We need a guard to come in to start. And frankly, you know, we need sort of a third safety. Yeah to give competition to someone like Well, I, w- I would also add linebacker to Yeah, that. exactly, so, exactly. Um, yes, I agree with you. Um, now, it might be the case that they'll be able to sign. They were just testing the water to see what contract he'd be interested in. Yeah. Um, perhaps they're going to revisit him after the draft. Who knows? But we're just going to have to wait and see. Vontae's perfect. Uh, his three-game, no, four-game four suspension, yeah. excuse me. Quarter uh, of a season. Yeah, um, has been upheld by the NFL, so we're going to be missing. Yeah, and I, I put a poll on uh, Bengals UK asking whether it was time to give Perfect up, or at least ask the question whether he was yep. more of a liability than a than a real kind of must-have. Um, the majority said no, keep him, but it was a slim majority. Yeah. So it's kind of quite interesting. We'll have to wait and see what happens with. Burfitt. Very quickly, what's your take on that? Um, yay or nay? I'm still slightly yay. Yeah, so am I. But so slightly. I mean, it, the, the, that margin is decreasing all the time. It, w- it I mean? would seem a real shame to just let him go because he's a good player. Yeah. But I think you also have to weigh up the money you're spending to keep him. And that's yeah. what we don't see as fans is the money actually going out of the pocket to keep a player like that. Yeah. I mean, it seems silly to just give up on a talent like that. But when you're paying him big money or you're potentially going to pay him big money, it's like, well, we could reinvest that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, in a player who is going to be on the field exactly. for a full season, barring injuries. But are you, you know? telling me, even if Burfitt comes back for those 12 games, the likelihood of him playing all 12 with no other suspensions, with no other um, you know, concussion? I mean, Burfitt has a terrible concussion history as well. That's another thing with yeah, him. Yeah. It's not just the off the field and the you know, the, the suspensions for on-the-field play. He has a bad injury problem. with. Yeah. He's always down and coming in and out of the game. I mean, it's just so difficult to get any longevity mm. out of him. I mean, I do think that this year might be a bit of make or break for him. Mm. I'd say the tide is beginning to turn against him, I would say, yeah, in terms of goodwill, in terms of fans. Um, another interesting tidbit, uh, Lamar Jackson, the Louisville QB, uh, came in for a visit, and we've, we've kind of heard about players visiting and it's maybe nothing too much should be read into these visits because it's the Bengals yep. checking people out who they checking people who might become available at 21 right so you've got the full whack from safeties yeah through to linebackers through to offensive linemen and also a QB but that sent kind of Bengals fandom into kind of crazy mode yeah um Think Jackson's there at twenty-one? I personally don't think he will be. You don't think he will be? No, I, I think there'll be. A, you think uh, five quarterbacks go before twenty-one? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Bills want a quarterback, don't they? I mean, the top. I mean, there's. In fact, you know, there's always a bit of a run on quarterbacks. You know, mm. I mean, you, who you got? You got uh, Darnold, Rosen, Allen, Mayfield, Mayfield, and Jackson. and Jackson. I do think there will be five picks. Those five will go. In the first I think, 20. I think it will probably... I think definitely Darnold, Allen and Rosen. Mayfield, I'd be stunned if he was still there at 21. And I think Jackson, probably 70% has gone by 21. Which is pretty good for the Bengals if you're 21. Because 20 picks in front of you, five of them are quarterbacks. There's only 15 other players in all positions. So it gives you a decent well, value. That, that could open up the draft. At 21, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yes. I mean, we'll get into this in a minute. And the likelihood is that... You know they should go offensive line. Yep. Uh, but what happens if there's a Derwin James there at 21? What happens if he drops? He probably won't. But what happens if these good defensive players that are fantastic value 
uh, appear at 21 because it pushes everyone down further as well. So yeah. the likelihood of getting a centre or an offensive tackle or a guard in the second, third round increases, you know. so This is the problem for the Bengals in when I said earlier they need to draft an offensive lineman because, like you said, if you get a really good player that drops down to 21 and you're sat there like, Gee, we, need to, we have to take an offensive tackle here and you might just go like a Will Hernandez and sort of take a sort of middle-of-the-road pit, which is fine, but you almost want to be in that situation where you can take the best player available. Well, I, mean, I don't like where the Bengals have sort of put themselves in a position now where effectively at guard and centre we're pretty much void at the moment. Well, I don't know. There, 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 is, but there are bodies there. I mean, to me, centre is the absolute need. Yes, absolutely. There is yeah. no one on the roster apart no. from TJ Johnson, and you're not going to start TJ no. Johnson with the best will in the world. Uh, and there are good centres there available. But there are bodies there at guard and tackle. Now, a lot of people will be shouting at us, or me at the moment, saying, well, they're not that good. I mean, now is the time to fix this problem yeah, with yeah. good players. But if there is a Maurice Hurst there, who's who's likened to be the next, you know, a, a Geno Atkins type of player, if he if he checks out health wise, if there's a Harold Landry, the edge rusher, the, yeah, the defensive College, end, yeah. you know, he you know, we're we're entering a season where Carlos and Gino are in contract years. Mm. Chris Smith has left, Michael Johnson's coming to no, the I end agree of the road. With you. I agree with you. you know, Harold Landry is supposed to be, you know, tipped to be a Pro Bowl in the future. Um so it's such a tricky one. I know people will be screaming, saying, "No, forget all that stuff. Don't muddy the waters. Don't confuse yourself. It's offensive line, offensive line." I, I looked at every mock draft on the way over here that I could look at on Google on the first page, yeah. and every single one was either Billy Price, Will Hernandez. I think Isaiah Wynn was in one of them. James yeah. Daniels was in one. It was all offensive yeah. line. There was not even a suggestion that we go elsewhere, which but is I, a bit of a shame. Well, I saw I saw one from Albert Breer on Monday morning, uh, quarterback who I rate, uh, the ex-NFL network mm. guy, um, and he chose Harold Landry, mm. uh, which was interesting. And you do get the odd one, but yes, I mean, if James Daniels... I mean, people th- say, and I've read, that James Daniels is the best centre prospect since Alex Mack. Yeah, and he yeah. could be the rock there for you know five, six, seven, eight years if they. Trouble is, Bengals don't really pay interior linemen. That's the problem. Um, they got no choice now, though. If you're going to no, take someone in the right. first round, you've pretty much got to. I mean, you could sit there and hope someone like a you know one of them drops into the second round, but I think the Bengals are going to be aggressive. I think that they've got a lot of picks in this draft, and I wouldn't be surprised if they had a look at it and they saw a player that they liked potentially um, McGlinchkey or someone like that. Maybe they trade up and get yeah, him yeah. or something Well, they've done like a lot that. of work on... That's the other thing. Pay, you've got to pay attention to who they've brought in for visits, yeah. who they've met, yeah. who they're taking out. I mean, it doesn't actually being uh, a college prospect sound much like loads of fun. You just travel around the country, you get <laughs> taken, taken out, out for, for state dinners. I know. I know. Yeah. But they're, they're grilling you on all sorts, though. They'll, they'll watch yeah. how you eat your food. They'll watch how you walk to the bathroom. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're looking at everything. Well, that's... Uh, <laughs> they are, though. Do you know what I mean? The Bengals ask them all dead weird questions. Yeah. Like, in the interview process, they'll be like, oh, remember these three things, and then they'll, like, yeah. you know, they'll be completely around. They'll be like, what's your mum? You know, what did your mum give feed oh, you? Where's this kid? going? <laughs> <laughs> you're leaving you leaving know my I mean? mum out of it. <laughs> At the end, they'll be like, remember the three things, and yeah. like, I've heard all weird stories. But yeah. Well, uh, we're going to continue talking to the, talking about the draft, rather, because it's time for our very special guest, Nathan, should we bring him in? Let's go. Okay, our special guest this week is a bona fide Bengals legend, selected in the third round of the 1974 draft. And out of Syracuse, this offensive lineman went on to play for the Bengals for nine years, winning an AFC Championship in 1980 and appearing in Super Bowl 16. He was recently voted as number 18 in the Bengals' uh, 50 best players of all time, and we all know and love him through his incredible broadcast work for the Bengals Radio Network. Dave Lapham, are you there? I am. How you doing, Paul? Nathan, how's it going, guys? Yeah, really good. Thank you, good, Dave. Dave. Thank um, you. So good of you to join us, especially with this kind of busy period leading up to the draft. Can you believe it's kind of like only a week away? I know, it's incredible. But uh, they've been grinding. Uh, every NFL team has been been grinding for the draft. They've uh, there's, they've probably, oh, I bet have done, I don't know how many mock drafts on with every organization, <laughs> trying to get themselves ready for this thing. 
and uh, a lot of, a lot of work, a year's work goes into the draft. As soon as one draft is over, they start uh, gearing up for the next one. So it's uh, it's, it's it's quite a bit of work that uh, everybody looks to to reap the benefits of and, and like you said uh, it starts on Thursday just about a week yeah absolutely and I don't think I think that's something that a lot of fans don't necessarily realize the work that goes into it the visits the kind of all this coming and going it's uh, attending pro days attending combines attending this and attending that and and then having to sit down and put a board together you know it's quite a crazy process when you think about it it really is but there's so much money that is being invested in these players you know, teams want to do their due diligence, and and they interview um, a lot of people, not just not just coaches and teammates, but uh, equipment managers, trainers, other people in the student body, professors. I mean, they mm-hmm. want to know as much as they possibly can about uh, about these players that they're going to be giving you know a lot of money to. So there's there's quite an exhaustive effort that goes on in that regard, in terms of uh, researching everything there is to know about these guys. And as you mentioned, everybody does their board. Mm. Uh, and, and the boards are all different based on what kind of scheme you run. Uh, the New England Patriot board, you know, is, is different than the San Diego Chargers board. The Bengals board is different than the Dallas Cowboys board because uh, they have uh, different requirements based on what the coordinators want to run from a schematic standpoint. And not every player fits in, uh, the same. If you go to the wrong system, you're not going to have success. But if you go to the right system, you get drafted into the right mm. system. Uh, it's going to benefit both player and organization. Sure. I'm always intrigued by when a player goes to visit a team. Can you just give us a real quick insight into what a visit entails? Does it kind of is it just literally going out for dinner and then kind of talking about football or what normally happens in these visits? Yeah, it's it's all encompassing. There is usually uh, you know a dinner involved where you know there's not uh, you're in a different setting and Everybody lets their hair down, so to speak, you know, and, and the talk is, is pretty broad in general and just trying to find out more of the personality and the background, family history, all those kind of things uh, uh, of the player that you're, you're meeting with. And then uh, the next day, usually uh, you're going to meet with the owner, you're going to meet with the head coach, you're going to meet with coordinator, you're going to meet with position coach. Uh, there's some, um, some, you know, you go up to a grease board and show your football acumen in some instances, and um, they, they, you know, ask, they'll ask you, you know, sometimes pretty uh, private questions about mm. not just your not just your football days, but your your personal life. If you've had, in fact, uh, some issues that, that have had to be dealt with, and what you learned from it, and mm. everything that goes along with it. But I know for a fact, uh, like Andrew Wortworth, for example, just knocked everybody's socks off. Right. on his uh, his interview at the Combine and then his visit to Paul Brown Stadium. And so, you know, they knew they were getting a complete package there. And that's what you're looking for is, is a guy that not only, you know, is going to represent the organization uh, very well on the football field but not give him any problems off it as well. Mm. Okay, let's talk about the draft. Um, this year's draft, uh, I think a lot of Bengals fans will want the offensive line to be a priority. Um I guess it's a two-part question. A, do you agree with those Bengals fans that think that? Uh, and B, do you think the Bengals will address that this year? I do think they will. I do agree that is it's probably the primary need. You know, I think some of the needs, uh, four of the needs for the team going into the draft of the offensive line, the safety position, linebacker, and, uh, you know, maybe a defensive lineman, a nose tackle. Uh, in, in whatever order, right. and the order would be dictated by uh, what player is available on the board when they select. The Bengals have done a real good job of setting their board, as you as you mentioned uh, in the beginning of the show, Paul. And mm. um, they, they they don't deviate from that. You know, they're not gonna they're not gonna reach for a player to address a, a position need if they have to reach too far. Mm. So um, if a if a player um, you know that they had rated. 15th is there at 21 even though they'd like to address the offensive line if for reason if for some reason you know an unbelievable corner or safety or pass rush or whatever was there at 21 they pull the trigger and that's what they've done in the past but i think all things being equal um it probably will uh be the offensive line and i think they're gonna have to make a decision there's only two offensive tackles i think that they would be interested in Mm. and uh and that's mike mcglinchey out of notre dame Mm -hmm. 
um, and, you know, and, and, and then Colton Miller from UCLA. If both of those offensive tackles are gone at 21, yeah. I think it would be very easy for them to go at center. Uh, but if there's one that's there at 21, they may think about making that pick at offensive tackle and then seeing if no center has been chosen yet, I think they feel comfortable with three, potentially four centers. So they may feel like I might take a chance and wait till uh, selection number 46 in the second round to get my center, roll the dice a little bit, right. or trade up earlier in the second round because they do have 11 draft picks and they can't all make the team. Yep. Yeah. Trade up earlier in the second round to address the center position. And I, I wouldn't be offended one bit if they get a, a really good offensive tackle in a center in the first two picks of the draft. That would be a Christmas draft for me. Absolutely. Um, just real quick, now Nathan wants to come in. Um, I'm interested as a as a as a as a fantastic offensive lineman yourself in the past. What what how do you evaluate an offensive lineman? What are the key things that teams look for in terms of traits uh, and and physical attributes as well? I know they've got to be massive, but. Um, but in terms of you know arm length, we hear about that a lot and, 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 and things like that. But tell us, fans in the UK, how you go about uh, evaluating an offensive lineman. Yeah, you, you're right. I mean, arm length is a, is a big deal. I think that's a plus. Arm length, big hands. You know, those are those are things that uh, you know can really help. Uh, if, if I'm looking at an offensive lineman, I, I look at what his, his initial strike is, his first contact, and then is he is it, the ability to drive and sustain, you know, that contact. And then you're looking for things like, does he play with a good wide base with his feet? Uh, is he able to bend at his knees and not at his waist? You know, mm -hmm. you want to have a, you want to play low. You want to keep your pad level low, but you don't want to do it by bending over at the waist and uh, overextending yourself. You want to bend at the knees and be able to keep your body positioned and balanced properly. And, you know, it, it does, it starts with almost any athletic endeavor starts with good feet and ends with good hands whether it's, you know, uh, shooting a basketball, uh, hitting a baseball, throwing anything, you know, catching anything. You have to get yourself in position with your feet. Then you have to have hands to find, to finish it, to finalize it. And it's the same for alignment, offensive or defense. You look for their feet initially. Do they have good feet? Do they have good footwork? And then uh, you look for hand placement and strength of hands and all, all that sort of thing. Um, so it, it fits it fits into you know, just about any athletic endeavor, you know, in mm. my opinion, when I'm taking a look at offensive linemen. Mm. Um, Dave, Paul and I were talking earlier in the podcast about the Bengals this year potentially being in a situation where they, like, have more needs than they've had to fulfill in the draft. Um, with that in mind and looking at the centre position where at the moment there's no logical starter on the roster, if the Bengals do draft a centre, be that in round one or two, like a Billy Price or, you know, James Daniels potentially. Do you think and would you be comfortable with them starting on opening day? I would with a guy like um, like Billy Price, who has 55 consecutive career starts at Ohio State. That's a record. Uh, Andrew Whitworth had the record at LSU, playing in 53 straight starts down there at LSU. Mm. And if a guy that's played that much football and at that level of football I would have I would have a pretty good feeling about, as opposed to James Daniels, who you know doesn't turn 21 years old until September. Wow. He's a little bit younger, a little bit less experienced, but he's very very talented. You know, I mean, I I I, I would obviously, if I were going to take him 21, I would give him every opportunity to start at the center position. Um, but I people around the league that I've talked to that I can trust. Billy Price, James Daniels, and Frank Ragnow from Arkansas, the three centers, and they have them all, you know, rated very, very closely. Some have, uh, you know, everybody seems to have a little bit different pecking order, but I think the biggest consensus, uh, or not just by a little bit, I guess, just by a, a small majority, is uh, Billy Price would be the, would be the, um, you know, the player to pick. Uh, but now with the pectoral injury that he had at the combine, I mean, he was looking to set the combine record. He can he can bench press 225 pounds, 36 to 38 reps, and he was going for it. And on the third rep, tore his pectoral. So, you know, he's a little bit of a medical uh, a medical concern there. And with the Bengals' problems they've had with first round picks here medically the last few years, right, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. fans might hold their breath, you know. <laughs> but I do think. Uh, I do think a guy like Billy Price that has played so much football, 
um, uh, I, I would not have a major issue with with him, you know, lining up and playing uh, playing in the center position to start the season. But you make a good point because that's the guy that you know has to recognize everything, make all the calls. There's a lot of responsibility that goes with it, both mentally and physically. And um, I remember Paul Brown telling me when I, I played center when we had an injury to our starting center, they uh, kicked me inside the center, and Paul Brown said, "Now look." Only two people touch the football every play. <laughs> yeah, center right. on the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Don't screw up any snaps. I'm like, yes, <laughs> sir. Yeah. And now in today's football, the Wildcat, the quarterback doesn't even touch it every snap. So right. the center's got a got a lot of responsibility, you know, mentally and physically. And and you're right, uh, a, a rookie center. Although uh, you know the, the last center that they had, who's now a Buffalo Bill, he did it. You know, yeah. he, he was in there day one as a, as a as a rookie starter and mm. and uh, didn't miss any games. So uh, they do have a history of that. Bob Johnson did it, the very first uh, center chosen uh, of the Bengals organization, the very first draft pick. He he started as a rookie and and played every uh, every game. So it's it's not um, you know it's not unprecedented. That's for sure. Now, uh, as Nathan mentioned, you know, I think safety is out of all those offensive line spots a priority just because of the people that we've currently got on the roster uh, but we do have bodies at guard and uh, tackle at the moment do you think any of those guys currently on the roster can kind of step up and and kind of really nail down that spot do you think are you talking about moving into center or moving oh no no sorry the, uh... yeah just as a guard and tackle you know say big said and jake fisher and Alex Redman and Christian Westerman and those sort of guys. Do you see any of those guys stepping up to the plate this year? I think they're all going to get uh, every opportunity to do do so. The good thing is in um, free agency and, and by trade, the Bengals did address a couple of the needs we're talking about by position. You know, mm. they addressed the left tackle position with a trade with Cordy Glenn. Yeah. And this guy is massive. He's and you, six, li- and six, you six, like six, that seven. move, right? You like that move. I do, yeah. I do. He's, uh, I bet he's probably 350, 360 pounds. He's uh, six 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 seven, and he can move pretty well. Yeah, he had bone spurs in his ankle that uh, you know made him miss a few games, you know, last season. But I, he's physically, they say he's back 100. percent I do like that move. Mm. And uh, his teammate at linebacker Preston Brown, he's a local Cincinnati high school player that played at Louisville, Kentucky, collegiately, and then went to the Buffalo Bills and. And his contract was up with the Bills, and he he lives in Cincinnati in the off season. Lives right downtown in a hotel, and he walked down to the stadium and said, "I'd like to play here." <laughs> yeah, right. He signed right. into a one year deal. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And and he's he led the entire league in tackles last year. Yeah, he, he had 144 tackles, I think it was. I mean, he's he, those two guys are productive. So they they got two starters addressing two positions of need: mm. offensive line and linebacker, and trade and free agency. So I do think. They signed Barbie Hart as a tackle to compete with Fisher. Mm. Um, you know, Westerman and, and Redmond are two young guys that are going to battle it out for the right guard position. I think Clint Bowling will initially get the nod at left the left guard, but yeah. you know, they, if both of them play well, they may both uh, end up as bookend guards, and Bowling may go in and compete at center, or somebody else might go in and compete at center. So they right, do have right, some right. versatility there. Hopkins mm. could but his long arms could go in there and play a little bit of center. So mm. Fisher is rebounding from that uh, irregular heartbeat. Yeah. So he'll be competing with Bobby Hart at right tackle. And if they draft another uh, offensive line, which I know they'll draft at least one, they'll probably draft a couple. Mm. It's going to be very competitive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Dave, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Um, in the last five years, who would you say are some of the best value draft picks that the Bengals have picked? And some of the most disappointing that stand out to you? Well, based on what we're talking about here, I think they'd probably agree that, uh, that so far they haven't gotten their bang for their buck with Cedric Oboehi yep. and, uh, and, and Fisher, and for different reasons. It's, it's some Oboehi's had his share of injuries, but his play has been ineffective as well. And and uh, Jake Fisher has had you know more injury issues than ineffective play. But and then and then this this regular heartbeat is a is a scary thing, you know. Those guys obviously come to mind. You take uh, three years ago, you take offensive linemen with the first and second picks of the draft, and you think you're you're going to be all set for this period right here, this mm. time frame. And mm. they're still trying to address those uh, those needs are still needs. So sure. that was obviously very uh, extremely disappointing. Um, 
you know, Jeremy Hill didn't pan out after that rookie year. He steadily went went downhill from there. I, I, I'd say that you know he's a little bit of a, a disappointment here in the uh, in the early stage or early stage of his of his career. He might rebound over there in New England. And you know, John Ross uh, basically his body betrayed him. He's the ninth pick of the draft, and they mm. just really couldn't even get him on the football field. But I'm hoping that uh, he has the same type of uh, scenario that Will Jackson had. Will yeah. Jackson missed his entire rookie year with a pectoral injury, very similar to Billy Price's injury. And, um, you know, he comes back and he has a, a great year this year. He's on the cusp of the Pro Bowl. So hopefully John Ross gets his shoulders and knees mm-hmm. in uh, good shape and he's able to go out there and contribute because right now mm-hmm. the fans are a little bit uh, little bit down on him. But a guy that comes to mind that they got a lot of value out of is Carl Lawson. I mean, that yeah, guy absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's a good shot. Yeah. Fourth-round pick, he, he played He played exceptionally well. I think, I think both of their – their young defensive linemen, Jordan Willis and Carl Lawson, I think are going to uh, show uh, they're going to pan out and have some big dividends with those guys. I, I, I think uh, I think those guys will both uh, both make noise off the edge that you have to have from a pass rush standpoint in this league. And uh, I think I think they did like we just talked about with William Jackson. I think they put their bat on the ball on that one too. I think William Jackson is going to be a really, really good player for a lot of years here. Absolutely, and and Dave, um, we spoke about the offensive line. I think that's for, uh, the, the forefront in in lots of Bengals fans' mind. Um, what about any other areas of need? Do you think? I mean, I still bang the drum about linebacker, especially now with with Vontae's Burfix's upcoming suspension and the fact that the league upheld that suspension. I still think that the Bengals have never really addressed that linebacker spot now. Obviously, Preston Brown's come in, hopefully to shore up that middle and do a job. But I always think we could do with a real force in there that kind of takes over games like Vontaze does, really. Um, so that's my opinion. But what, what, what other areas of need do you see on the team? I think you've hit on a on an area of need. Their playmaking linebacker would be uh, would be just what the doctor ordered particularly with Vontez missing the, the first four games of the season like you're talking about. I think Jordan Evans will will have a, uh, a, a very – usually guys make their biggest jump from their rookie year to their second year because rookie year you really, in most cases, don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden the light goes on a little bit. And I think that will for, for Jordan Evans. I think he's going to play very well. But they have not addressed the linebacker position with very many high draft picks. You're you're exactly right about that, and it wouldn't shock me if they if they do take a linebacker fairly early uh, in the draft and, and and try to help in that area. And I do know that they're they're very disappointed in the play of their safeties. They just feel like they're not getting enough uh, big plays at the safety position, um, and they they courted the safety. They courted Kurt Coleman. Yeah, absolutely. Right away, and, and of course Eric and Reed he's, as well. He's signed with the Saints, yeah. So, and they brought Justin Reed in, and of course, you know, he and Mike Brown had that meeting discussing, mm. you know, protesting the flag, and that kind of unraveled and fell apart. So they 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 did. Uh, Kurt Coleman went down to the Saints for a lot of money. Uh, Justin Reed, they kicked the tires there, and nobody else has even had him in to visit since his visit here in Cincinnati. So it tells me that safety is a big priority because they they were trying to address it in free agency and. Uh, since they didn't get that done, uh, even offensive lines a priority, but they did get a guy in free agency. Linebackers are priority. They did get a guy as, in, in, in free agency over tackle in a trade. Yeah. So it stands to reason that I think I think they're going to do something at the safety position uh, sooner rather than later in the draft as well. Um, Dave, I've got two really quick questions for you now. Then we've just got one or two questions from a few fans that have sent them in. Um, we've had a few people on the podcast in the last couple of weeks. We had Solomon Wilcox, Kevin Huber, and Ken Anderson. Um, and we've all asked them to predict what they think the Bengals' record will be in the 2018-19 season. Now, Solomon Wilcox went with 11-5. and five, Kevin Huber went with 10-6. and six, And Ken Anderson was extremely optimistic, going for 12-4. and four. What is Dave Lapham saying the Bengals' record will be in 2018-19? Yeah, I'm going to say it's going to be at least it's going to be 10 wins. I'd go 10 and six. I okay. think that uh, that's the magic number to uh, to feel pretty solid about uh, getting into the playoffs. But I, I would I would think a 10 or 11 win season would uh, would would be more than acceptable. You know, after coming back from back to back losing seasons, uh, having made the playoffs five years in a row with 
you know, winning 10 games in four of those five years. One year they did make the plus with a 9-7 and seven record. You can't count on that. But yeah, I think the magic number is 10. So I'm going to say, uh, you know, I'm going to say they got to win at least at least 10 football games. And I do feel like the football team is capable of doing that. Uh, it's going to be very interesting, though, guys, because they've got five new coaches. They got a lot of new players they're bringing in. They're going to run. They're going to look different. I mean, they're they're going to look very very different offensively and defensively. Schematics going to be extremely different. And for some players, it's going to be like going to another organization. The new offensive line coach is going to be teaching much more aggressive techniques. I think they're going to look much different up front. I think Andy Dalton's pocket is going to be much cleaner, and he's going to have space as well as time. He's going to be able to see things. And so I do think that uh, some of the coaching changes they made are going to be uh, as instrumental as anything. And I think guys are going to be like, boy, I got a new, I've got a new coach that uh, is, is working with, with uh, different ways to get it done. I've got a bunch of new teammates here. It's almost like going to another organization. Mm. So hopefully uh, this change will pay off. It's not, it's not a, uh, it's not a total rebuild, um, but it's a, it's a reboot or it's a renovation or whatever you may call it. They've, uh, they're definitely giving it more than a facelift. Mm. Absolutely. Now, Dave, my last question to you is um, on this podcast, we enjoy not only talking about the Bengals, but we always allow sort of a minute or two to just go through some nice craft beers that we're drinking and what we enjoy. Now, we asked Ken Anderson and Kevin Huber what sort of stuff they were into at the moment. Um, Kevin Huber um, said he quite liked some craft beers in Cincinnati that we'd never heard of, but they sounded quite good. And Ken Anderson played it safe with Coors Light. What's Dave Lapham drinking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not much of a drinker, but I I do uh, I do enjoy light beer. Just trying to keep uh, uh, keep the calorie count perspective. If I'm going <laughs> to drink beer, it's going to be of the light beer variety, and uh, I'll I'll drink just about any kind of light beer that I can get my hands on. If I do get in the uh, the mood strikes me to go ahead and <laughs> and toss a few back, that's for sure. So, um, but I do I do try to stay on the on the uh, on that side of it with uh, with respect to and not, not getting that big old beer belly going. Sure. <laughs> uh, Dave, we're just going to wrap up in a second, but we've got some uh, questions from a few fans. We put it out there. Everyone's really excited that you're on the podcast. So uh, know that you are loved in this country. Um, uh, Martin Greer asks, uh, does Lap think we'll make 11 draft picks or bunch some up and move up, up the draft in the later rounds? You don't have to go into it loads because you kind of mentioned it, but what's your initial uh, feeling on that? I would I would do exactly what the caller suggests. Mm. Um, I would bunch picks and I'd, I'd move up to better my position potentially if I've targeted a guy that I don't think is going to be there. You know, for example, whether it be maybe it's number seventy-seven pick or a hundred pick in the third round, the mm. two draft picks they have there, move up higher. Mm. You know, to get to get the guy that you want because you're not going to have all eleven guys make the football team, and really three of them are seventh rounders. So if you could package those with another pick and move up, and they always find a college free agent or two that yeah. makes the football team. So there's only so many roster spots. You don't want to have, you know, 13, 14 guys, yeah. you know, make your team out of a draft in college free agency. That would be ludicrous. Okay. Uh, Peter Dadswell asks, um, which new coach does Lap think will have the biggest impact on the Bengals' fortune this year? Is it going to be Frank Pollack, Terrell Austin? Alex Van Pelt, Bob Bicknell. What's your? You mentioned there's going to be pretty much wholesale changes in terms of scheme and ways of coaching. Have you got a hunch on which department of the team, which phase of the team will will kind of look the most different this year? Yeah, Peter, that's a great question. I think it's going to be Frank Pollock as a former offensive lineman. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm kind of embarrassed, really with how soft the offensive line had played the last, uh, particularly right. last year, the last right. few years, uh, just n- not enough aggression. Um, and I think that's going to be different. I think Frank Pollock brings a, uh, a much different mentality from the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they're they're going to be attacking the line of scrimmage more and they won't be, you know, uh, catching and they'll be delivering blows. They'll be punching instead of catching. They'll be, they'll be punching instead of counter-punching, you know. Right, right. And um, I, I think that's what uh, Frank Pollock's going to be all about. I think he's going to really stir it up up front with the offensive line, and it's uh, it's it's needed for sure, and I think he's going to make a huge difference, huge. <clears throat> okay, this question is from Dean. Um, Lap, I listen to your commentary every game, 
and love that you wear your heart on your sleeve. But do you ever get disheartened? Or do you have faith that we'll win the Super Bowl one day? <laughs> yeah, Dean, I'll tell you, it's, it's, um, you know, it's one of those, I, I root for my high school football team I played on, I root for the college football team I played on, I certainly root for the Bengals football team. And having played in a Super Bowl and lost it and then broadcast another Super Bowl that didn't end up in the in a, a win column, I, I'm, I'm definitely with you, Dean. I, I, sometimes you get a little disappointed, a little frustrated, uh, particularly when you see the New England Patriots right, yeah, uh, yeah, getting yeah. to the AFC Championship game eight seasons that Tom Brady, eight of the 16 seasons Tom Brady's played and they've got, they've been to the AFC championship game and uh, 50% of the time, you know, they've gotten to the Super Bowl. It's crazy. So yeah. um, other than them though, it, it, I think around the league, you do realize how difficult it is, but uh, the first thing I'd like to see Dean, honestly, is a playoff win. Let's yep. get that done. We'll take that. We'll, <laughs> let's, we'll let's, take uh, that. Let, let's get that <laughs> over with. I, that's that's had a long enough run for sure. Sure, absolutely. Now, Tim asks, um, is this the last phase of Project Dalton over the next two years? Either they win it all with uh, Dalton and Marvin, or th- or do they both go in 2019? Yeah, I, I think Marvin uh, at that point, 2019, it would not be. I would not be surprised. I'm not going to say no matter what. Maybe you know, coming off a Super Bowl win, he might want to come back and try <laughs> yeah, to right, right. He may want to ride. He may want to ride off into the sunset with a Super Bowl win. But I do think you know that that'd be 17 years with the same team. Mm. Uh, that, that you know, it, that, it's unheard of almost. You, isn't you, it? You, yeah, you wonder about that. Um, but you know, Andy Dalton, I think, is still in the in the very early prime of his career. So um, I do think that that uh, he's, he's motivated and excited about Bill Lazor and how different things are going to be. Mm. I think that – I'm not saying that, that, guys got, um, that guys got bored or they took things for granted, but I do think that the, the fact that they're, they have to uh, learn an entirely new system. I mean, there's very little carryover from what they've been doing. But Andy Dalton uh, loves those kind of challenges. He's a very, very intelligent guy, and he does a good job at the line of scrimmage getting them out of bad plays into good plays and understanding <laughs> concepts, um, you know, why they're doing things offensively, not just memorizing things. He, he wants to know why things are being done the way they are, what defenses are trying to do to stop his offense. He, he likes the big picture of things, and he seems to be, uh, you know, very excited and motivated with, with the, the changes that are going on, not just like with the schematic uh, that we talked about, but the philosophy and the mm. different players. And he's pretty excited about it. Okay, last question, Dave, and then we'll let you go. You've been fantastic. Thank you so much for the time. Um, okay, so we're walking around the Ohio State Fair and we come to a little tent in the corner, a, a red and blue striped tent. And it's got a picture of you with a funny little hat on outside. <laughs> and it's Mystic Lap. Okay, we pay our $5, we walk into this dark little tent, and there you are with your funny little hat on and a crystal ball, okay? Um, really? Just go with it. I don't know what I'm doing, but just go with it, okay? I got you. <laughs> give us some names for the draft. What does le- Give us two or three names that you not predict, but may- maybe would go for during the draft. Well, I mean, I, I do think knowing the Bengals organization, if one of those offensive tackles is there, they could very easily uh, go for that, one of those tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I'm not sure that either one of them is, is going to be there. So it would not it would not shock me. Um, and, and I've been on record pretty early on about mm-hmm. Billy Price at the center position. I do yeah. think that that position needs to be addressed if McGlinchey or Miller's not there. But there are a lot of other guys that are going to be in discussion, you know. Uh, there's there's no doubt about it. There's going to be, if a defensive tackle slides, if a linebacker slides, they have in the top 15 and they're there at 21, all bets are off. They're going right there. And they're going to go They're going to go, uh, jump on that player. So, um, But I'm like everybody, I, as particularly having played the position uh, in the offensive line, I, I would not be surprised if they go with an offensive lineman in that first round. Right. Okay. So it could be a McGlinchey, it could be a Colton Miller, could be uh, yeah, could be a James Daniels. I don't, I don't think could... I don't think McGlinchey's going to be there. I think no. Colton Miller may be there. Yeah. If he's not there, I think the Patriots take him yeah. because he's. Yeah. I think he's basically a clone of the guy that uh, they lost in the New York Giants. Yeah. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. So, so Nate Solder uh, going over there and making all that money. So I, if you don't take one of those tackles, you're not going to. There, there's there's not very much depth in the draft at the tackle position. Right. So. 
you know, they they wouldn't be taking tackle for a while. I don't think. Right. Um, you think you think they could trade but, up for McGlinchey, Dave? Um, I don't think if they trade, you know, they they made the trade back from twelve to twenty one, and they got their tackle in that trade. So I don't think they'd trade back up again and give away draft picks to get another tackle. You know, I I, I just don't see that necessarily. Mm. Um, but I could see them, you know, trading up in the in the like I said, the second or third, you know, round. I mean, I yeah. I, could, I could see that potentially happening to go and get I'm a Billy sure Price to go and get their center. After trading down, they were already at twelve. That would have been. You know, to me, twenty one's a pretty good spot for McGlinchey. I think people that take him much higher than that, it's I think it's if the, if he goes in the top ten, I think that's a reach. Yeah. But you know, if he's there, you know, I, I, I know they'd be he, he's he's pretty much a total package. He's kind of a, a Witt Junior kind of guy in terms right. of uh everything about him, his personality and everything involved with him. So yeah. that wouldn't shock me in, in Miller Miller they may go with. I think Miller even flashes a little bit more elite talent. He's more quiet, shy, reserved kind of guy. And McGlinch, mm. he's more. He's got more dog in him. But you know, I, I just, um, I know, I know the value that Mike Brown puts on tackle. So right. if one of those guys are there, he may go that route. But uh, you know, and, and it, it's it's going to be interesting. Do they roll mm. the dice? And if a center hasn't been picked yet, mm. uh, do they roll the dice? And they think because I think Cleveland might take one in the second round. Chicago might take one. Right. So two would be off the board before the Bengals take. You know, they're 46 pick, and now yeah. you're starting to really roll the dice. Well, it's going to be interesting, but I think uh, I think you're, by the sounds of it, you are leaning if you had a choice towards tackling on, on number 21. Hopefully, it'll be McGlinchey or, or Colton Miller. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Dave, uh, we could talk to you all day, but that's probably not going to happen. So, thank <laughs> you so much. We're going to leave you to go back to your tent in the Ohio State Fair and your crystal ball. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Dave. Honestly, you're so popular over here and you've been nothing but brilliant to us and for us. So thanks for the time. Thank you so much, Dave. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Paul and Nathan. Happy birthday to you. Enjoy the day. <laughs> it only you, happens Dave. once a year for all of us. So have the best one you ever had, my man. Thank you so much, Dave. It means a lot. All righty. Well, there we go. That was Dave Lapham, Nathan. I mean, off mic, he gave us the... Um, we shouldn't say it on mic. I think it's a bit embarrassing. But he paid us the biggest compliment. It was fantastic. Um, so we thank Dave, who is such a... I don't think he realises how popular he is in this country because people really do... I love his passion, don't they? I think it is. That's I think that's it, it. It's his passion, uh, his knowledge, and it's someone that you look... It looks as though you can have a laugh with. And even though he's, you know... He, he, don't muck around with him but you yeah know, if you could have a real laugh with him he's a really nice bloke i would love to have a cause light with dave lapham i know he doesn't drink much like he said on the podcast but i throw a few cause lights back with dave come to cincinnati game. with me the next time i go we'll go down to the holy ground <laughs> and we will have a cause light with, that, with would, dave. that would be unreal and it, and also there's lots to unpackage there and it seems i mean he is known dave for um predicting the bengals i remember he nailed the tyler eifert pick and he, when he said it everyone was like why would the bengals yeah. take a tight end and, and it, was, it looks as though yeah. he's leaning towards an offensive tackle yeah. either a McGlinchey or a colton miller mm. would you be happy with that nathan definitely yeah i mean yeah. if we could get McGlinchey at 21 that'd be unreal you keep calling him McGlinchey. What's his name? McGlinchy. McGlinchy. Yeah. McGlinchy. 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 Get in my office. Imagine having McGlinchy on the back of your shirt. It's a, sh- it's a bad name on the back of I your shirt. I don't know. That's a real American name, that is. That's a cool Mike name. McGlinchy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, get in my office, McGlinchy, in my office. <laughs> That's a pretty good Mike, accent. Mike McGlinchy, get yeah. in my... He has to, where's your Notre Dame? Where's that? That's um... Notre Dame? Yeah. Notre well, Dame. In, t- in terms of country, whereabouts no, is in the country? Lo- no, location is in the US. Where I think is it's Notre like Dame? Midwest, isn't it? Kind of... Uh, yeah, it's sort of north of Ohio, kind of. So we, anyway, whatever. <laughs> all the Americans are listening to this now. They don't know where Notre Dame. I know, is. disgusting. One of the one of the Bloody most famous English. schools in America, is it? But I bet it's you the they, 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 they don't know where Luton University is, where yeah. I went to. Yeah, true, true, true. Anyway, <laughs> Luton University. <laughs> um, uh, Nathan, call, call, what are you drinking though? Let's do, yeah, we haven't, I mean, we haven't talked about that. Pressure's off now. We finished the day. Pressure's off. Dave's gone. We, we wanted no... to be profesh during that interview. Absolutely. I we... think we nailed it. We got no interference from the cat this week. I've locked them away. Oh. RSPCA, <laughs> don't worry. It's not like, you know. I am drinking tonight, and I'd like to make it clear that m pulled a face. Well, M&S has not listened to me with the Chelsea Blonde. It's still not there. 
I'm I'm drinking tonight a Stone Go To IPA. Right. I really have to recommend the Stone Brewing Company. It's a German brewing company. They do a Stone IPA and a Stone Go To IPA. Both are delicious. I have two of them. I've got an Armadillo Golden Ale, which is made by Meantime Brewery, and I honestly don't rate it. You did pull a massive face. Yeah, it was. Actually, you also pulled a massive face when you pulled your wallet out of your your pocket (laughs) earlier. I don't know what's going on. I've got a new wallet. I've got a new wallet, right? And it's a beautiful, like, proper Italian wallet. I got it from a little place yeah. in modern. Smell the leather. It's a beautiful leather smell. Yeah, that's cool. No, so why did you pull a face just, halfway no, through the Dave Lapham interview? I love, I love that smell. Oh, I thought you were like, this is disgusting. This no, is like it's some like, sort of bum cheese or no, something. No, <laughs> no, no. I, li- I literally pulled it out and I was like, ooh. Ooh, oh, okay. It's just such a nice, like, that leather, strong, like, new and car And you did smell. that just halfway through the Lapham interview. No, I, know, I was sorry, almost I was thrown by that. My final beer, sorry, is laid back pale ale. Just okay. finish the job off. Nice laid back pale ale. Like Pour it. back yourself. Well, um, I've got a Peckham uh, pale ale from Peckham the Brick Brewery in South London. And I went for something rather funky. A Japanese, I was say, what is that? a Japanese rice beer. I don't even know what the name of that, that is. Where you get that from? There's a craft beer shop down the road, yeah. Um, is it any good? And I bought, It's really nice, actually. It's got sort of slight citrusy... It's quite dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, nice, yeah. though. Japanese always dry beer, isn't it? But I'm drinking that in honour of my, my friends Jimmy and Yumi in Tokyo. Tokyo. Guys, I'm doing you a salute out of the window at the moment. Um, so we've got like five or ten minutes left. Um, next week, I should mention that we have Joe Goodbury on, which... Um, it threatens to be an enormous podcast because he's thre- <laughs> he's absolutely up for going through every single position. Joe Goodbury is going to embarrass us on this podcast. Absolutely. Well, bring it on. This is what we get these guests on for, you know, to I'm educate gonna, and entertain. Up. I'm going to watch so much. Fi- this is not like some sort of draft I'm gonna wrestling watch match. So much film in the next week. Okay. I ain't going to go to work. I'm going to call in sick <laughs> for the next week and just watch film for a week. You're determined not to be outdrafted by tear Goodbury Joe. to pieces. Okay, all right. <laughs> As I say, it's not a wrestling match. Right. He's there. He's what, our guest. What we're be <laughs> nice to him. <laughs> what we're going to do for the last 10 minutes is we're going to go back and forth with bold predictions for the draft. Oh, blimey. So my first bold prediction... You laid that one on me. Yeah, go on. ...is that the Bengals are going to definitely draft a quarterback in this year's draft. I don't think it's that, that bold, though. Well, it I, depends how I high. Think I think it depends how higher high. than round five. So one, rounds that one is, that to four. That is bolder. And I think it will be someone. I don't. I think Lamar Jackson, if he was at twenty-one, they'd have a think about it. I don't really know how they'd use him, but I think what they might do is try and use him in packages, almost a bit like a Sanu player, or maybe use him in situations. Well, we've never or, had a quarterback like that ever. No, I, I know. Think. You know, someone who is kind of dual purpose, really. No, absolutely. So it'd be interesting. It if be not him, maybe like a Mason Rudolph, Luke Falk in the rounds three, round Rudolph four. Rudolph will be going by round two. Yeah, you think? Yeah, Rudolph definitely got. I rent Luke for, but they've they've like they've they've checked out people like Riley Ferguson and Logan Woodside, which are, you know, we're talking like rounds, yeah, five and seven here. Remember, they haven't got a six round pick, but yeah, I think they need to. I I just like I said before, I just don't think that Matt Barkley, they've brought in as a serious. Mm. Like we think he's our backup quarterback. No, I absolutely agree with you. I think um, they're definitely going to challenge him with someone, and I would be surprised if they waited until round six, five, six, seven. Yeah. I think if there's someone in the mid rounds that they think can come in, not threaten Andy Dalton too much, but almost at the level that McCarron did, right, where right. he has some sort of notoriety and some sort of yeah. like you know pre ability that yeah. he potentially could be a starter. Yeah, but I think with the needs, there's no way. I, I don't even if Jackson was there, and you've got someone like a McGlinchey there, or you've got a, um, you know, a Billy Price or someone there. Do you really think that's a luxury? pick See, that for was me? an interesting luxury pick. If you what, took Jackson at twenty-one. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. especially. I, see, I think that there will be a run on offensive lineman in the mid-first round from Arizona. Arizona need a tackle. Everyone needs tackles, frankly. Yeah, they really do. There's Baltimore might need someone in t- on the interior. Yeah. Seattle absolutely need uh, a tackle or a guard yeah. or anybody on that yeah. offensive line. So you're looking at people like Isaiah Wynn, Mike McGlinchey, possibly going. So Hernandez. Uh, but it's interesting, yeah, and Hernandez might be there. But it's interesting that Dave uh, favours Billy Price because he, everything that I've read says that James Daniels is the best centre 
in this draft. So that's very interesting, actually. It's an Ohio connection, maybe. I the Ohio. Because I saw, I saw Will Hernandez about three of the five, six blogs I saw. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and it's interesting that they would kind of maybe leave Price to the second round, but perhaps bump up to get him. So that could be like a double dip. I just think the Bengals have got to use those picks. I think they learnt a lesson last year in the Jake Elliott situation. You spend a fourth round pick or whatever it was on him and yeah. you can't even get him onto the roster and you can't no. afford to waste that because a fourth round pick's valuable. You can pick up good <laughs> players for that. And like Dave said, I thought you made a really, really good point on the fact that the Bengals do often strike gold with undrafted free agents. Very much so. So yeah. not only have you got to get 11 of your draft picks onto a roster, but you've got to get potentially one or two mm. extra players that might be better than those draft picks onto a roster. You, you've, we've not got space for 13, 14 players. No. We probably don't have space for nine. So I think if you can package up a few thir- a few fourths, fifths, sixths. Yeah, yeah. Get a player, you know, move up five, six, seven, eight spots in the second round. It makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. And I think if you can walk away with that draft with a Colton Miller and a Billy Price, the offensive line looks a hell of a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What's my bold prediction? Um, they'll take a safety in the first round. Really? That's it could happen. Interest. That's interesting. could what? happen. If McGlinch is gone... Fitzpatrick was there. I don't think he'd make it there, would he? If Derwin James... I mean, I've been reading today that Derwin, Derwin James, James might drop. If he's there, he's, like, reckoned to be a top 10 player. Yeah. But also you've got Ronnie Harrison and yeah. Justin Reed. Justin Reed. They're all first-round talents. And also the interest... I mean, again, I keep saying this about safeties, but it, it was a surprise when they went after uh, that, the lad Coleman from Carolina. Coleman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They clearly want someone because obviously Eric Reed that they've had a. They've... But I think they if they want, a, I think I think they want the same kind of turnover production that they got from Reggie Nelson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's never he had not he had real ball ball hawking presence yeah, back then. Absolutely. And then you could maybe push Sean Williams. Yeah. Into like this nickel linebacker coveragey type person into the linebacker area. And that would solve our problem because, you know, teams just shred us, Yeah. Uh, you know, in the flat, over the middle, crossing routes, shallow routes, whatever. We've always been absolutely destroyed yeah. by those. No, and, I agree. you know, Vigil's shown some promise. Jordan Evans has shown some promise. Do you, you can't really count on perfect now no, at I the agree. moment. Um, so I think maybe if they draft a safety high... Mm then that will affect their linebacker play because they're going to use a third safety in that kind of nickel kind of formation, coverage formation, you know? I thought Dave dropped. I think it's a good bold prediction by you, first of all. I think Dave dropped a bit of a nugget in that interview when he said that, and I was surprised to hear him say this, he said that the Bengals weren't happy with the production they were getting from their safeties. No. And we no. have alluded to that in the last couple of weeks on this podcast when we said about George Iloka, they gave him an extension and we perhaps haven't seen the production that we would have wanted from a player that you'd have hoped could have maybe made that step to the Pro Bowl level. Mm. Um, I, I think that's a good bold prediction, actually. Yeah, I, I do expect them to take a safety mm. high. I, I say I think well, I think we need a linebacker, but if they take a safety high... That will affect the yeah. linebacking core. Yeah. Um, I also think they absolutely need a an edge rusher. Think, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the thing, the thing is, though, and like, we're talking a bit off the car. I've got one more bold prediction, but go I want to just like go a bit, you know, just have a bit of a chat here. If they go with your, what you said, and there's someone like a Derwin James there, and the Bengals yeah. pick with 21 Derwin James, great. Everyone's like, yeah, good value. Then you're in a bit of a position because then you're like, right, what are we going to do now? Because yes, you can get Billy Price potentially in the second round, but then you're like, well, we've got, we, you know, we, they desperately need someone. Yeah. I mean, it's such a desperate need that you, you have to almost. Mm. It's like incomprehensible that you could not take an offensive lineman mm. in the first two rounds. You have to. Yeah, no, The I Bengals agree. can't be in a situation where the two rounds go by and they do not have at least one. And I would say the centre. The centre is it the has priority. To be, yeah. I mean, guard, you could potentially. Mm. you know I, there are a few players on the roster and like you asked Dave there's a few players all, all you need is one of them to step up mm. have an amazing trading camp Frank Pollock does some good work and all of a sudden you might have a, a at least below average starter but a starter nevertheless Yeah. so I think you need to get at least one player but my second bold prediction is I think the Bengals will draft a kicker again that was going to be my one as well yeah. a lot of people have been doing that uh, Eddie Pinheiro seems to be the, the boy and this Daniel year Daniel Carlson I think right, I've heard okay. as well uh, Remember, Pinheiro, we, we of, yeah. do have a kicker on the practice squad at the moment. Do we? 
Yeah, I can't remember his name, but we do have. I've checked. <laughs> I have checked. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a bad shout. Lots of mocks I've seen. Uh, I mean, especially if you've got done. 11 picks, why not just have a run at a kicker and, again, challenge Randy Bullock to a duel? Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, yes, on Hampstead Heath at noon. <laughs> I, well, which weapon do you choose, sir? Um I want them to pick a kicker, sir, and then cut them just to annoy you to see your Twitter. Oh, address. mate, because your be, meltdown after my Jake Twitter, Elliott. my Twitter will be going off. It's was hilarious. But I was going off about that when he got cut. Let alone when he was smashing it up for the Eagles. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's I mean. won a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. He's just won a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Unreal. I know. And Randy, but oh, I can't stand Randy. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on because I can see you starting steams. Your oh, temple, mate. the veins in your temple are mate. starting to bulge. Yeah. Let's Move on. Uh, I don't really have another bold prediction. Um, actually, I do. Uh, how about this? They won't. Dra- they'll only draft a center in the first three rounds, and then they'll wait until the fourth and fifth rounds for more offensive linemen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, potentially. I mean, I suppose it's like Dave said. If they're, going, I mean, I was interested to hear him say that he thought almost regardless if there was a player they had ranked 15 or higher, they would just take them. What happens if a... Leighton Van Der Esch is there? What happens if Rashan Evans is mm. there? What happens if these... Harold, La- I mentioned him before, Harold Landry, Maurice Hurst, you know, what... It's really tricky. At the no, end of the is. day, we can speculate like crazy, but it's down to the Bengals board, who they've got yeah. and what their strategy is. Right, we've got a question from Dasley Duncan again. Oh, have we? Hi there, Duncan Price here at Dastardly Duncan on the Twitters, with another draft-related Dastardly question of the week. Okay, here we go. The Bengals took AJ Green with the fourth overall pick of the 2011 draft. Using the time machine premise and knowing what we do, would you trade the fourth overall pick, Andy Dalton's 35th overall pick, and Dre Kirkpatrick's 17th overall pick in the subsequent draft to take Cam Newton at number one? Or would you bypass AJ at four and instead select sixth overall pick Julio Jones? Or would you indeed stick with what the Bengals did and select AJ at number four? Can I just, before we start answering that question, he refers to himself as Dastardly Duncan. Yes. And we say Dastardly. What's yeah, the correct product? We're going to go to the grammar guru, yeah, Paul Hirons. Well, here. I'm from the Midlands, so I'm, I'm above London, so I'll say Dastardly. But See, you're oh, from the South, but... Dastardly. You say Dastardly. I don't... Dastardly, I say. Okay, that's interesting. That's yeah, more of a northern a pronunciation. But that's quite an interesting question, I think. I would not go any because we've obviously got a good production out of AJ and well, supreme production out of AJ and and Dalton, whether you like him or not. But we have got good production. Out yeah, of him. yeah. And we've got decent production out of Kirkpatrick. Not amazing. I don't want Cam Newton. No, I I really dislike Cam Newton. I, I don't dislike him, but I just I don't think statistically there's a lot between him and Dalton. He's probably a bit better. But I also think he's a bit of a showman and he's a oh, bit of an absolutely. attention whore. And he's he, not a Bengals kind of player. No, well, he's, saying he's, that we've had Chad and yeah, Terrell Owens I, and all I, that I kind of stuff. I think he's but. better than Dalton. I yeah. do think he's better. On his day, but increasingly he's more and more inconsistent, I think. Yeah, I, I think he's better. I think he offers you a little bit more. But I also would argue that he's never had the supporting cast that we've probably had given Andy Dalton. No, that's very true, actually. Yeah. He's never really had any elite players. And he's that's had a the, few good players. That's the problem. Greg Olsen's that's when, that, That's player. the problem when you put all your eggs into one QB mm. basket. Mm. Do you know what I mean? When you draft someone really high, yep. you almost can't afford to get anyone else. Yeah, I mean, they've had Greg Olsen, but they've never really... You know, they've never like Steve Smith, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've never given him like insane. They've always saying Jonathan. that they've been to the Super Bowl, so yeah, true, know, true, yeah. true. I think, I think the whole AJ Green, Julio Jones scenario is very interesting because I think Julio Jones is a more talented wide receiver than AJ Green, mm. but AJ Green is more durable. I think that's the difference. Oh, that's interesting. So it's, it's kind of like, I think that for the first couple of years, it was almost a no brainer because Jones had a few bits and pieces. I know he had turf yeah. toe for a while and he was out for a while. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a very tough question. I mean, we know AJ. We know what we're getting with him. Julio Jones, you don't know how he would have fit into the system, what his chemistry with Dalton would be. But yeah, I'm on the fence with that one. But I definitely would not take Cam Newton over what we got. No, I agree. It's really... I mean, I love Julio Jones. Mm. Um, but then I love AJ. You know, I don't think there's too much between them. I think Julio's better. Slightly. Yeah. I think you're probably right. But there's not much between no. them. No. 
Two superb receivers. Absolutely, really. yeah. Okay, um, is that about time to wrap things up? Or it is. I mean, we need to plug our meetup. Yes, absolutely. The uh, our plans in the immediate future are that we have another episode coming out next Tuesday or Wednesday with Joe Goodbury. And then, of course, on the Saturday, the 28th of April, we have our draft weekend meetup in Manchester at the Britain's Protection Pub. Um, what's that? From 6 to 11. Nathan and I will be there. We'll be recording. We'll a... be there later than 11 as well. <laughs> <laughs> as if we're going to be turfing out at 11. Uh, we're going to be doing. <laughs> well, I, I'm slightly scared, actually. Um <laughs> But no, we have a uh, all, th- all kinds of things going on. We're hopeful that uh, a whole bunch of Bengals fans are going to be in attendance. We're going to be recording a live a good laugh. Uh, episode of Cincinnati, which you can hear the week after. We're gonna the, the draft will be on the telly. Uh, there's going to be a Bengals quiz, which will be a lot of fun. So be some strippers there. Yep, Nathan will be taking his clothes off for everyone, which would be hilarious. Uh, Simon Hunter will be doing a special dance for us all, I believe. Um, I encourage all fans listening to this to come up. I mean, however far it is, as long as it's not ridiculous, it'd be a really fun night. It'd be a good laugh. And I mean, whenever we've had meetups before, when we did the Cleveland game, it was such a good laugh, really good fun, nice people. And the same when we had the, um, you know, before the game at Wembley. Absolutely. Really good to see people. Um, And even when the Bengals come over here, I mean, how good was the Admiralty that night? Well, that's incredible. That's the gold standard, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm not expecting it to be another Admiralty, but for people that couldn't make that and haven't made them in the past we're a friendly bunch it'd be great to meet you all and I yeah. hope you come out absolutely bring friends and partners and whoever yeah. you want uh, it's very informal there will be drink taken I would imagine um, <laughs> and the draft will be on so you know if you can make it to Manchester that weekend don't fear though if you can't make it we will have others throughout the rest of the year um, so that's it for this episode thank you so much for listening you can get in touch with us on the Twitters as a uh, Dastardly Duncan says uh, at whoday <laughs> underscore UK or facebook.com slash Bengals UK. So, yeah, drop us a line, uh, get your questions in for Joe Goodbury next week. Uh, until then, it's good night from me. Yeah, good night, guys. Good night from Nathan. And it's good night from a sun. Well, actually, the sun's gone in, uh, but here's a little tune uh, that uh, I think represents London in the sunshine. Until next week. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.